And we, I know we've made a lot of, we made, we've had a lot of unexpected things in this whole experience, drum lines, mariachi bands, and all that other stuff, but this cello player, Stevie, you need to, t- this guy's awesome, this guy that's just playing the cello, thank you for that, it was such a great part of that, and we wanted to, we really wanted to create an experience this year, obviously more than anything that gave honor and glory to the Lord, but we wanted some unexpected things when you walked in for Christmas, and I love drum lines, and I mean, who doesn't like a mariachi band, come on, all right, makes you, I mean, you're going to want to go eat tacos after this service, all right, and uh, just all of that stuff, but I, you know what, I love unexpected things at Christmas, and I love, I love unexpected gifts. Every year at Christmas time, Amy and the boys will usually surprise me with something that I totally didn't expect, and I love it. Now, some of you may not know this, but I collect sports memorabilia, and I have a home office, and it's kind of where I keep all of these things that I've collected over the years, and autographed pictures, and helmets, and different things like that, and so every year at Christmas or um, or a birthday or something like that, Amy will su- surprise me. Don't let me down tomorrow. She'll surprise me with um, something that I just, I didn't even, never expected. And I remember a few years ago, she and I were uh, walking out of a movie theater. We had just watched the movie Secretariat about the uh, Triple Crown winner horse that back in the early 70s, it was very inspiring. And I, we were walking out to my truck and I said, Amy, I'm gonna tell you what, I would love to have that horse's autograph. I mean, think about that. So Christmas, I open up this package, and inside is a signed autograph picture of a secretariat. And I'm like, how did that horse do this? But it was, it was, it was the jockey, it's the secretariat, and Ron Turcotte. And I just thought, that was such a, a cool gift, totally unexpected. I remember, I remember the very first real big unexpected Christmas gift that I ever got where I felt like, I feel like I'm kind of grown up now. It was, it was my 13th birthday, and I asked my parents for a 35-millimeter camera. And I thought, there's no way they're going to be able to get this for me. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. And, and so I just thought, I'm just going to ask them, see, you know, it's my 13th birthday. And, and so you can, there's a picture on the screen of this actual birthday party. Um, if you want to see it, that, that's me with the shirt on. My, I don't know what my brother Kevin was thinking. I mean, we, we didn't normally party like that, but he did that day for whatever reason. So, but um, they gave me, I mean, totally unexpected, a 35 millimeter camera in a brown camera bag. And I remember opening it up going, no way. And I know some of you are thinking, it'd be really cool if you still had that camera. Well, let me tell you something about me. I, I, I save things that are valuable to me, which creates a problem in my household because my wife likes to throw most everything away, all right? And so, come on out, guys. I'm a, this is my, for my 13-year-old birthday party, uh, this is, thank you, Brad. This is my, my camera bag. And uh, inside is the 35 millimeter camera that my parents uh, gave me back in the late 70s. Some of you are probably going, man, I didn't know they made 35 millimeter cameras back then, but they did. And, uh, and, and I, I want to tell you something about this camera. I, I had to rescue this camera a few years ago. You'll, if you, you can't see this, but there's, a, there's some sticky tape mark on the top of this bag. This ended up in a garage sale. And... Uh, unbeknownst to me, and, they, and, and the price tag on this whole collection was $5, which I was appalled by. See, some people go to, some people, they go to garage sales 
to buy things, and my wife and my mom will have garage sales to sell things. My purpose at a garage sale is to rescue things. All right, so I have rescued things, many things over the years. And again, that doesn't play out always very well in my home. But, you know, unexpected gifts, I mean, they're fun, they're exciting. They, they oftentimes, they, they will meet a need, they, they communicate a message, or sometimes they, they will even reveal God's grace and provision in our lives. The Christmas story is the story of God's grace and provision for the forgiveness of sin extended to the world. Even though Christmas is God's anticipated and, and foretold in the, New Te- in the Old Testament gift to mankind, the way that it, that it played out was totally unexpected. It was a rescue mission filled with all kinds of elements that you would, you would never expect. I mean, think about it for a moment. Mary and Joseph were, were, were very, very unlikely candidates to be the earthly parents of the Messiah. I mean, they were, they were from this town called Nazareth. And, and in John chapter 1, you see Jesus collecting his disciples, those that would follow him for three and a half years. And, and Philip is describing to Nathaniel, this man that he met who he believed was the son of God. And he told Nathaniel about him. And Nathaniel's response is a classic. He said, can, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Joseph was, was, as we talked about a few weeks ago, was from the line of King David. His descendants stretched all the way back to the patriarchs of the Jewish faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Joseph was not a prince. He was a young carpenter who had become engaged to a, a young lady by the name of, of Mary. And if you think about Mary, you think about her, and, and you, if you look in Luke chapter 3, many scholars believe you see a list of Mary's genealogy, which also traced its way back to King David, but she was this young virgin girl that somehow or another found favor in God's eyes. And Joseph and Mary were, were unexpected participants in the story. Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, very unexpected place for the Savior of the world to be born. It was not Rome, which was the center of the Roman Empire. It was not even, even Jerusalem, which was the center of influence for Israel. Very unexpected. It was, when God sent angels to announce the birth of his son, he sent them to a very unexpected group of people. They came to the shepherds. And during the time of Jesus' birth, the shepherds were amongst the lowest of the low on the social economic totem pole. Joseph, or Jesus, was born in a, in a, in a very unexpected place. He was born in an, an animal stable because there was no room for Joseph and Mary in the Bethlehem Inn. Remember from this past year, Prince William, the, the Prince of England, he and his wife Kate had a, had a new baby boy and there was, there was all kinds of pomp and circumstance all over the world, especially in England. And, and here's this little baby who's born in the best hospital in England. And I remember him coming out and paparazzi are everywhere taking pictures and he has this beautiful gown on. And I mean, a far cry from the birth of God's son. As Jesus grew up, his followers called him teacher or rabbi, but he was a very non-traditional rabbi. He was a He was a carpenter by trade. And the whole purpose for him coming to earth was totally unexpected. He didn't come to to earth to save the Jewish people from from Roman rule and oppression as they had hoped. That was not his mission. His mission was totally out of the box and completely unexpected. What was his rescue mission? Well, I think Luke 19.10 sums it up best. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That, That was his mission. Christmas is a rescue mission. And I love this because it's very personal to me. 
It's very personal to me. I, I, see, before I accepted God's very unexpected gift of salvation, I was lost. Now, I don't know if you've ever been lost before, but, but it's a scary feeling. Especially if you don't know how to find your way back to safety. Um, when, I remember when I was younger, almost every week I would go shopping with my mom. And she liked to shop at a department store called Montgomery Wards. And uh, my mom, uh, still to this day, very intense shopper. And so I would go into the store with her and we would always go into the women's uh, clothing area, and which created instant boredom for me. But I would look and I would find the largest tag on a women's piece of clothing that I could find and I would tear it off, all right? And I would use it as a steering wheel because now I'm driving, all right? I mean, you got to think of things when you're in the women's clothing department. And I mean, I'm running all over the place in the women's department and I'm driving this. I mean, remember, my mom's intense. She's focused completely in on her shopping. But I was an intense driver at the age of seven or eight. But almost every time I would find myself completely lost from my mom, hopeless, helpless, tears. And eventually someone would find me, they would take me to customer service, and then there would be a very familiar announcement that would come across the Montgomery Ward PA system. Could Judy Beloy please come to customer service? We have found your lost child. And there she would be coming, clothes in hand. I would be just sitting behind customer service, tears, and she would rescue me. And all was saved. See, the Bible says that everyone is lost in their sin and separated from God. We come into the world that way. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says it this way. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have have left God's path to follow our own. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 sums it up this way. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And the consequence to all of that? Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sin. You see, we have this huge problem. We all come into this world lost in sin, separated from God, hopeless and helpless. And the penalty for sin, the Bible says, is death. And so here we are, lost in our sin, we're separated from God, and we have this death sentence on our heads. But because God loves us so much... He sent his son Jesus very unexpectedly to rescue us in a very unexpected way. I mean, he, he offers his life for ours, a life for a life. He comes and he pays our sin debt, and he provides a pathway for lost people to find their way back to God. And I love the second part of Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. It says, yet the Lord laid on him, who's him? Jesus the sins of us all. Romans 5, 6 says it this way. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Listen, Christmas is so much more than, than lights and, and decorated trees and families getting together and Santa Claus and, and giving gifts to each other. And, and listen, I love all of it. I mean, it is truly the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas is a rescue mission. God, at a very unexpected moment, in a very unexpected way, gave us a very unexpected gift. He sent his son Jesus to earth to seek and to save those who are lost. I love the way the angels announced it to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. They said, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Listen, salvation, God's rescue plan, is not just for an exclusive few. 
It wasn't just for the Jewish people. The angel said it would, it would be good news of great joy for all people. And listen, this rescue mission, it's personal to me, but it's not just personal to me. God extends this gift to the whole world. By grace, God extends this rescue out to all people who are willing to receive it by placing their faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's the good news that these angels came to announce. Now I wonder, how many of you have ever heard the term yada, yada, yada? Raise your hand. I remember the very first time I heard this term, it was a Seinfeld episode. The actual episode is called Yada, Yada, Yada. And, and if you remember from the episode, um, anytime you know, someone in the show had heard something before or they were telling a story that seemed kind of repetitive or even boring or tedious, they would just throw in this term, Yada, Yada, Yada. Let's be honest for a moment. This is Dallas, Georgia, and it's Christmas Eve. I'm not preaching out in a mud hut in a village out in the middle of nowhere, Burkina Faso, Africa, where people have never heard the name of Jesus or even the word sin or or even the fact that God had sent his son to save them from it. So there are moments, especially at Christmas and Easter, where I'm sharing the gospel. And I feel like some of you may be sitting there saying, in your mind, yada, yada, yada. You know, Brian, I've heard this before. Matter of fact, when I come on Christmas, I hear this kind of same message. I mean, it's, it's kind of repetitive, a little tedious. You're not going to say this, but maybe even a little boring. I mean, Brian, really, this isn't unexpected at all. Interestingly enough, a few, few days ago, I, I was looking at a new Harris poll that came out. Every year they, they do this survey with adults on, on religion. And this past uh, November, they, they, they surveyed over 2,200 adults in America about their religious beliefs. And they asked them several questions. And one was... Is Jesus the Son of God? And 68% of adults they surveyed said yes, which was actually down from 72% in 2005. Then they asked, do you believe in the virgin birth? 57% said yes, but down from 60% in 2005. Then they said, do you believe in the resurrection? 65% said yes, but it was down from 70% in 2005. And I thought this was interesting. By age groups, here's the breakdown of people that actually believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the one who came to rescue us from our sins. If you are 68 and older, 75% of the people that they surveyed believe that. If you fall in the age group of 49 to 50, or 67, 74% believe it. 37 to 48, which is my age range, drops down to 68%. And then we get down to 18 to 36, it drops to 58%. Now, that doesn't mean that 75% of the U.S. are going to heaven and that 42% of our younger generation are not. I mean, the Bible, the Bible says that even demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But what it does mean is that even though this message never changes and it's the same year after year after year because the Bible never changes, it does reveal that fewer and fewer people believe it to be true and the numbers drop with each new generation. But I love the fact that God, in his mercy, still extends grace. He still extends grace by sending his son Jesus on a very unexpected rescue mission. And regardless of what society says, regardless of what happens, the Bible tells us we need a rescue. But why Jesus? Why why Christianity? I mean, even back at the time that Jesus walked the earth as a man, 
There were a lot of saved people who were saying they were the Savior. There, I mean, there are a lot of people today that you claim to be the Son of God or Savior. There's religions popping up or old ones that are growing, you know, in enormity. And, you know, so we look at the world and we go, why, why Jesus and why not this religion? Why not this way? What, what makes this the truth? Why not some other Savior or religion? I mean, what, what are his rescue credentials? I love the way Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 spells it out. Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be up upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord's host will do this. Listen, this is how Isaiah lays out Jesus' credentials. First of all, he says he, he would come and he would be a wonderful counselor. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is that Christmas time is a very difficult time for a lot of people. It brings out a lot of emotions in people, things like stress and anxiety and despair and even loneliness. Matter, matter of fact, there are many people that struggle with these types of emotions all year long. Um, Dr. Richard Leahy, a prominent psychologist and an anxiety specialist, was quoted recently as saying, that the average high school kid has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. And some of you parents are going, yes, I have that child living in my home right now. But God sent a rescuer into the world whose credentials way exceed someone with a PhD in counseling. The fact that Jesus is a wonderful counselor doesn't mean that he's just great at giving advice or that he's a great listener. It means that he understands our emotions and our, and, and our problems in a way that go way beyond our ability to comprehend. Since he created our emotions and he created us, he knows things about us that only a God could know. His insight and knowledge into our lives goes from our very first breath to our very last. So he knows better than anyone else how to rescue us and how to guide us through the issues of our lives. He actually tells us in the Bible to let him carry our burdens. I mean, what kind of counselor can carry all the burdens of all of their, of all of their clients? Only Jesus can do that. And then Isaiah said he would become and he would be a mighty, mighty God. Now, I, I love the name mighty God. Why? Well, mighty in the Hebrew is the word gabor. Gabor means powerful warrior, a hero, a champion. God is the word El. It's one of a, a few different words that are used to describe the name God, but, but in this instance, um, it's, it's El Gabor. And it's usually, when you see El, it's put before uh, an, another name of God. We see the word El Shaddai, God who overcomes, or Elohim, God who creates. But in this case, as I said, it's, it's El Gabor, and it means this, that God sent a powerful warrior into our world who would be our rescuer. Now, why is this so important? Because every once in a while, we need a rescuer to step into our situation. We need a powerful warrior to rescue us from things like addictions or hurts, broken hearts. We, we need someone who has the strength to help put a marriage back together or someone to help us move forward from a very painful divorce. Listen, imagine how your life could change if you had a, a mighty warrior living out his life powerfully through your life. Just think how, how much your life would change. Jesus is not just a cute baby or even a, a novel idea that we, that we celebrate at Christmas or even, you know, moving on to Easter. He's a powerful warrior that wants to help you to live very powerfully in this lifetime. And then I love this. 
Isaiah says he would be an everlasting father. I know for a lot of people, just the mention of the word father, especially during Christmas, brings out a whole list full of emotions. For, for some of you, you have wonderful thoughts. But for others of you, the word father brings sadness or pain. I, many of you, like me, you've lost your earthly father. For me, there's, when, I, when I come into Christmas or Thanksgiving, I mean, there's always this degree of emptiness that I feel in my heart. Today is my mom's birthday, and my dad loved her birthday. He loved Christmas, and he loved just bringing all the family together. That's what he was all about. But there's always, the, again, there's always a sense of emptiness when we get into this time of the year because he's not here. For some of you, the, the, the word father brings a different emotion. I, I was reading something the other day about um, Ohio State football coach Urban Meyer's relationship with his father. When he was in high school, Urban Meyer's was drafted by the Atlanta Braves. And when he got to the minor leagues, he realized that he didn't have the talent to cut it. So he called his dad and he told him that he was going to quit. And his father told him, he said, listen, if, if you quit, you will no longer be welcomed into our home. And so Urban decided to stick it out for his father's very conditional love and acceptance. And then he goes on to talk about his back-to-back national football titles at the University of Florida and how no matter how much success he achieved, he never felt like it was enough. He lived with this overwhelming feeling of stress and anxiety. He describes himself, these are his words, and I quote, as a man who destroys himself running for a finish line that doesn't exist. And many of you know his story. Hours after he won the national title in, in 2009, he found himself in a fetal position on the floor of his home, unable to move and speak. And, and, and he just had reached a breaking point, which caused him to resign, come back, and then resign again. Now, that helps me understand Urban Myers a little bit better. It doesn't in any way, shape, or form cause me to want to be an Ohio State football fan. But some of you can relate to him. Some of you can relate to his story. Because maybe you had a mom or a dad where good was never good enough. Your acceptance was totally based on your performance. Their love was conditional based upon your success. And one of the things that that I love about Jesus being an everlasting father is that his love for you is not based upon your performance. When he died for your sins, his performance was enough to cover your sins and to gain you full acceptance by his father. See, God's love for you is not based on whether or not you can be good enough because you can't. You can't be good enough. God's standard for righteousness and acceptance is perfection. And the only one that could ever meet those standards is Jesus. That's why Jesus had to rescue you. He did for you what you can't do on your own, even on your very best day. No one else has rescue credentials like this. Listen, he's an everlasting father who will never walk out on you. He will never leave you because you didn't meet up to his standards. His love and acceptance is not based upon your performance. There are no strings attached to his love for you. I love what Tullian Chavidjian says in his new book, One Way Love. He says, no matter how many times we've blown it, no matter how many years we have been unsuccessfully trying to get better, God attaches no strings to his love. None. His love for us does not depend on our loveliness. It goes one way. As far as our sin may extend, the grace of the Father extends further. There's great significance in the fact that God sent Jesus into the world to be an everlasting Father. And one of the things that I love is it also means that His relationship with us is permanent. 
He is always with us. He's never leaving. His feelings for us never change. You know, it's amazing. As we go through life, relationships change, don't they? Think about when you were in high school. Those high school friends were the world to you until you got into college. And you push them kind of behind. Maybe, you, you know, one or two people that you kind of remember. And you get into college and all of a sudden, these are the most important people in my life. And your world revolved around those friendships or, you know, a girl, guy you met in college or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you get out of college and you leave those people behind. And it's amazing how as we go through the seasons of life, our relationships change. Some of you have been through broken relationships. Very painful. Some of you have, have experienced the, the pain of a divorce. And that's been very difficult. Some of you have, have experienced, um, just even in this last year, losing someone that you love dearly, someone in your extended family. Um, just this past Saturday night, I was on the phone praying with our life care pastor, Jeff Bell, whose mother-in-law had just passed into eternity because of cancer. Matter of fact, in the last two weeks, I, I prayed with at least five or six families who either have a son or a daughter, a mom or dad, or someone that, that, that is struggling with some very serious disease. And here's what the Bible says about our everlasting Father. Hebrews 3, 18, 8 says, Jesus Christ, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Relationships change, people come and go, things happen. He never changes. And His feelings for us, they never change either. Deuteronomy 13, 5 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. And I love this. He will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Then he says he's the Prince of Peace. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah the prophet told the world that a Messiah was coming, a rescuer was coming, and the Israelites held that promise close to their hearts. Why? Because the people of Israel back at that time, they needed two things. Stability and security. Listen, I can't think of of two things that we need more in our world right now than stability and security. We're still climbing out of one of the worst economic times since the Great Depression. The last time I checked, the unemployment rate in Georgia is still right around 8.1%. My kids were telling me the other day they still have friends whose parents are, are out of work. And all of that, when you think about it, all puts an amazing amount of strain on families and marriages, especially during the holidays. One of our church planners who's actually going to be starting a, a, a nonprofit ministry that we're going to be helping him to launch called Love Beyond Walls. A guy named Terrence Lester has been spending the last two and a half days living under a bridge on I-20 with homeless people in downtown Atlanta. He's spending the night tonight with them. He'll wake up Christmas morning with them. Last night, 29 degrees, he was sleeping with them. Do you know we have over 10,000 people in, down, in the Atlanta area that are homeless? I believe 40% of them are women and children. I mean, and you think about all of that, and, and it's just all of that, especially during the season, it just creates stress and it creates pressure. Over this past year, we've watched how torn and divided we are as a nation. I think back to the Trayvon Martin case, and, and, and it just showed us how, how still torn in half we are racially in this country. This recent Duck Dynasty situation has, has shown us the huge, growing cultural, even theological divide that exists in this country. We live in a world that is in desperate need of peace. And trust me, you are not going to find peace on social media. Matter of fact, you're going to probably find some stress. You're not going to find it in religion. 
Knowing Jesus personally is, about, is, is all about a relationship, not about a religion. And the only place that we're ever going to find true peace in this lifetime is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, when the Bible says Jesus is our Prince of Peace, that doesn't just mean that he knows about peace or he talks about peace. The Bible says he is our peace. That means because of Jesus, we can have peace during the uncertain moments of our lives. That means that because of Jesus, we can have peace over the issues of our lives. That means that when, our, when troubles come our way, we have a prince of peace that comes into our lives and enters into our worlds to help keep us stable and secure. And I don't know about you, I need that. I think you do as well. So this rescue involved an unexpected couple in an unexpected time at an unexpected place announced to very unexpected people that brought a very unexpected rescuer, but one that has all of the credentials to accomplish the mission. And maybe you came into this place tonight expecting to hear a message that you hear every Christmas. You expected to hear some songs that were very familiar to you. You expected to see the church all decorated. You expected that we would put a little, little Westridge edge, a little twist to the whole experience. Hopefully we didn't let you down. But maybe what you didn't expect was an unexpected rescue. Maybe you didn't expect that God was going to extend grace to you tonight. You didn't expect that you would find hope for your life. Here's what Matthew says about our rescuer. Matthew 12 says, And his name will be the hope of all the world. Maybe for some of you tonight, you're walking through some dark moments in your life. Here's how John records Jesus' words. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here's my hope for you tonight. Maybe tonight, for the first time, even though maybe you've heard this before, this whole thing has clicked. The Holy Spirit's working on you right now. You feel something inside of you. And it's not, it's not your typical yada, yada, yada. This time, it's different. It's kind of caught you off guard. It's unexpected. And maybe for the first time in your life, you realize... Or at least maybe you're willing to admit, I'm lost. Hopelessly and helplessly trapped in a state of sin. And you realize that Jesus came at Christmas to rescue you. It's very personal. He came to rescue you. Here's how Luke records Jesus' words. Luke 5, 2. I've not come to call the righteous. He says, I have come to call sinners to repentance. And what was Jesus' plan to accomplish that? Here's what he says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Christmas is a rescue mission and many of you tonight need a rescue. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? My prayer for you tonight is that for the first time that this has made sense to you, that it's clicked in your heart, that, that it's gone from making sense in your mind to playing out with the decision in your heart. It's not just knowledge, but it's, it's something that you go, I, I, I need that. As a matter of fact, I'm not willing to go another moment without it. I need a rescue. I'm lost in sin. I'm separated from God. Who would have known Christmas is a rescue mission? 
very personal because God sent Jesus to rescue me. And without him, I am hopelessly and helplessly lost. If that's who you are tonight, I want you to know that by grace, God extends forgiveness to you and he extends new life to you and he extends eternity to you. And you can receive that by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And if that's where you are tonight, you'd like to pray with me to receive God's free gift of salvation, a rescue. Pray with me at this moment. Just say, Lord Jesus, at this very moment, I need a rescue. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is Lord. And I ask Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I changed my mind about where I was going, about how I was going to get there, how I was going to do this on my own, how I was going to put my faith in in maybe another wave in yourself and you realize tonight that it's just not going to happen apart from Jesus and that the reason Jesus had to come was to pay a sin debt that you could never pay. And just at this moment, say, Lord, thank you for that. I receive your free gift through faith of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for saving me. I put my faith and trust alone in what Jesus Christ accomplished for me on the cross to cover my sins. With heads still bowed, if you just prayed that prayer, would you take out your Get Connected card? On there, there's a place for you to let us know that you prayed with us tonight. Just give us your information. Check the box that says, Tonight I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Take it out to the Help Center in the atrium. We want to help you to take your next step in following Jesus Christ. But Lord, for the rest of us, I thank you that Christmas is not just about giving gifts to each other, family moments, even though all of that is so wonderful. Christmas is a rescue mission. You came to rescue me. You came to rescue all of us. And grace... Lord, I'm thankful it wasn't just extended to me or to Stevie or to Chaz. It was extended to all. That's the good news. And I'm thankful, Father, that Christmas brings hope. It brings such great promise. Christmas is a rescue mission, and I'm thankful for that tonight. We love you. Thank you for thinking so much of us, for loving us in such an unexpected way that you would send your son, Jesus, to live amongst us and then to give his life for us. What an unexpected gift. We can't thank you enough. But thank you anyways, in Jesus' name, amen.